Welcome to Public Ice, the only podcast that provides weekly youth sports-related content focusing on hockey and figure skating with the information you need to level the playing field. Here's your hosts, Chris Resendiz and Dave Kleinberg. Hi, Public Ice listeners. Do you need expert skate advice? Is your profile correct? Do you have the correct blade? Do you have the appropriate boot? Are you in the correct hollow? Is there rust on your blade? I want to talk to you today about Home Ice Boston. Home Ice Boston is owned and operated by Ace Lynn Monk, a former professional figure skater and current Theater on Ice international silver medalist. Home Ice Boston is committed to your success on the ice and provides superior customer service and support. All you have to do is go to homeiceboston.com or email Aislinn, A-I-S-L-I-N-N, at homeiceboston.com and mention Public Ice sent you. Hello, Chris. How you doing today? Good, good. Excellent. How about yourself, Dave? Well, we're almost there. Things are opening up from what we hear. Yes, yes. We've got some more rinks opening up. We've got Rhode Island opening up. The private rinks in Rhode Island are actually opening up now. So they're also offering uh, clinics. Like I know uh, Route 146 or Rhode Island Sports Center is now doing clinics on a weekly basis. Limited with restrictions. Uh, parents aren't allowed in. Um, they're very heavily on restrictions. But uh, at least they're open. And I know a few other rinks are starting to open up as well. I, I love the fact that parents aren't allowed in. I think I think that's going to be the best positive change for any of these sports is where See, where the parents I, don't have to 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 monitor. I disagree. I, I completely disagree with you because there's not many years left where you can watch your youth hockey player or your youth figure skater. I mean, in a few more years, like my son being a 12 year old, in three more years he won't want me there in the first place. Um, so it's kind of I'm kind of missing out on that. Plus, I'm still a little uncomfortable. Um, in a place like that, that has uh, limitations where I can't actually watch and see what's going on. Well, I mean, I'm sure one of the things you'll see is video cameras so you can watch it on your phone, you know, whatever it may be. But, you know, I think uh, it'll be good. It's it's good to give the kids some independence as well. Well, I always give my son independence, but I'll be honest with you. Um, like, I like what Florida's doing with their restrictions, and uh, they're not as restrictive as they are up here in the Northeast. So um, parents are still able to go in. It's limited because because we're talking about a space the size of Walmart that uh, I'm sure people are smart enough to maintain social distancing in the crowd. Like if there's 15 yeah. kids there, that means there's going to be 15 parents at the minimum. Um, and there's enough space for people to, to maintain six feet apart. Because I've been looking at, you know, at least in Massachusetts, it looks like things are, you know, we're at phase uh, two in mass and they're opening up the ice rinks as of today. Um, so you're seeing all the restrictions come out and, um, you know, some of the rinks, they don't allow any parents in. Um, so it's just the skaters. There's no locker rooms. All you have to do, you have to get your skates on and get on the ice. No bags, no anything. So it's it'll be interesting how it goes. Um, I know some skaters are wearing masks. The coaches have to wear masks. This is at least in figure skating. Yeah, um, see, from a hockey perspective, they're not. the coaches aren't required to wear masks, and, and neither are the, uh, the kids, because if they had to wear masks while they're actually playing, um, that's detrimental. So we say. <laughs> but yet, I don't think a mask is going to impact me if I get on the ice. Uh, no, you don't skate fat enough, fast enough, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if it doesn't ha- impact me when I walk, it's not going to impact me when I skate. Yeah, yeah, no, no. But but people like my son who are going all out or, or kids who are, like, really pushing themselves, 
um, I can tell you right now that a mask does inhibit your your breathing. The kids are excited to be back on the ice, so I don't think the uh, the off ice is going to be as prevalent as it has been. I think everyone's moving back into the on ice world, which is which is good. The kids need it, um, and we'll see how many kids come back. Yeah, we'll have to, well, we'll have to take a look at um, at uh, any losses in. Uh, in skaters, I'm sure there are. I already know a couple that have emailed me when I've, um, I've uh, emailed them. They say they're taking a break. So well, see what happens. That's interesting because from a hockey perspective, I think so many people are itching to get back, um, and I think it's just a, just a different breed. When I, I'm sure there's going to be some reduction, uh, I would agree with you there. Um, but at certain levels, I just don't see that happening. I so, think but, it's at the younger younger levels. I bet you, if you look at the kids that were doing mites. Um, the, you know, the, what is, how old is mites? Uh, eight, eight seven, nine. eight. Yeah. I bet you, if you look at that level, you're going to see a loss and that's, so it's going to be impactful in a few years. Yeah. You might, you might be right. Um, I still don't see just because of the type of breed of people of the, the type of person that plays hockey. Um, I think you're going to lose a lot more of the rec league kids or the house league kids. Uh, and I agree with you hundred percent, especially from a younger age. But the dedicated guys that are actually playing EHF or E9 or, or one of the higher level leagues, um, I just don't see. They're just a different breed. I mean, you're talking about a breed of player that plays with broken legs in the NHL during uh, playoffs. It's just a unique sport with the kids so and the people who really love it. But I agree with you. On the house league perspective or people who aren't serious about it, yeah, you're probably going to see some reduction. You know, I, I'd say we, uh, we take a poll out there and see if you're – uh, I know that on publicice.com, we have a poll out there right now is, are you ready to get back to the rink? Um, I say we set up a poll. Have you given pause to your ice sports? Uh, you yeah. Know, we, let's, let's, we'll put one out there by, uh, by the time this comes out. Yeah, definitely. I think it'd be a great idea. Now, let's, let's talk about that poll, for, for instance, uh, right now that we've actually got up on public ice. It's pretty interesting. Um, we posted the poll, what, on Saturday? We've almost had uh, 200 responses. Um, so, and, uh, they're heavily on a, yeah, I mean, right now, uh, what do we, what do we have? Um, so the current, um, as of right now, the current, uh, poll numbers. Wow. So are you, so the questions are with restrictions being lifted, do you feel comfortable going back to the rink? And so the answers would be absolutely. As soon as we can. Yes, but with safety restrictions in place, we are waiting to see, and I'm staying at home. So I'm going to ask, do you feel what? Which one do you think is is going to be in the lead right now? You may be surprised. Um, knowing me, um, I'm going to tell you that just knowing the people that I know, it's probably absolutely as soon as we can. <laughs> you are certain. And what would you think from a percentage of how many percent of all the votes? Hundreds of votes, do you think? Oh, um, I'd, I'd probably say 75% of people. Dave. Very close, 73%. Hey, <laughs> so, awesome. So, <laughs> so hockey, here we come. And then the, you know, it's, it, go, it drops down to yes, but with safety restrictions to 13%. We are waiting to see currently at 8%, and I'm staying at home is at 6%. So for the 6% of votes that are staying at home, do you think they're going to be playing sports? <laughs> No, you know, that, that actually kind of goes along with what you we were just talking about, that there is a percentage that's still that I'm staying at home. That's so they're not reentering the uh, the sports arena. So, so let's um, say that there could be a six percent downturn in yeah. um, our very scientific poll. Yes, exactly. 
completely um, scientific. Who is who is who did they always say? Was it Letterman when they did the poll where you know yeah. it's uh by the uh um the analysis by uh you know or guarded by yeah. it was like JD Edwards or something like that. Exactly. Well what was the one where with the old one, the old timer where he used to put his the envelope up against his head? Um uh, Car- Johnny yeah. Carson. Johnny Carson, it, what was uh, he called? The, what was the character uh, he played? The Melmac or something? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, that's what I was thinking when we were talking about the polls. Is is him going and what's this? And they come up with a random answer to whatever the question was. So it's pretty interesting. Karnak, Karnak, Karnak. That's what it was. Karnak, the, Karnak the magnificent. Yes. Thank you, uh, thank you, Google. Able yes. to get that answer in eight <laughs> seconds flat. There you go. So this um, this, this, ad, this poll is brought to you by Google. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So so six percent. We feel that six percent of ice sports participants are going to um, not come back. So I, for all across you, the board for all just not even ice sports. In any sports, yeah. yeah. So are your kids going to play video games for the rest of their life? Six percent is what we're going to do. Oh, probably. Yeah. I hope that <laughs> I can't wait to get back to sports just to eliminate video games. Um, uh, and all video honesty, games are the worst. They are. They they're just mind numbing. And then the problem is they're 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 not even that fun. Like you know what I how let me ask you a question, Chris. What did you have for a gaming system when you were a kid? I had every gaming system. In all honesty, I, I look back and I wish I would have never had those because I could have accomplished so many more things. But did you actually use them for hours on end, or did you use them for like twenty minutes and then you moved um, on? Honestly, like I was talking that with that my brother actually earlier, and you know, to be honest with you, I would play um, only on rainy days, and because there was nothing else to do. Um, but usually, it was about twenty to thirty minutes, and then I'd go back, and we'd be playing some kind of sport inside. You were wrestling, or you yeah beating each other well, up. We used to, exactly exactly my brother and I completely yes, but we uh, we used to do like we used to be pretty creative with the games. We created this knee baseball game with old wooden blocks. Uh, and and paper rolled up paper balls, and we had these home run derbies, and and literally we're hitting with these wood blocks. So, uh, but it had to be all from your knees. We were consistently just playing something. You would so that was the thing. You made up games when you're a kid. You made up whatever whatever game, and it became great. I remember, you know, playing a game on. We played a baseball game on stairs, and yep. we made it up with with. Uh, a newspaper rolled up in tape was the bat. And then the ball was newspaper rolled up in tape and you just whip it. And, and if you got that, you hit the ball and you tried to hit it up like three flights of stairs. Yep. That was the game. You there know? You go. It's like, and, and you played it for years. Oh <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's, that's one thing I will say is, is I feel bad for our kids, especially during this COVID-19, because I think a lot of the creativity has been robbed from them. Because they're they they they're quickly going to some uh, another source to entertain themselves versus we used to come up with creative ways to entertain ourselves, um, and 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 I mean you do see it at the rink you see the kids so all right so I see I go to the rink and I see the hockey players playing knee hockey or they're they're uh, you know chasing each other and throwing yeah, they're playing, uh, balls at each tag. other yeah. Yeah, and lines. I see the figure skaters, you know, practicing jumps off the ice, you know, or or throwing each other, and you know, so it's like you see, you see creativity. Now yeah. there's they've been so far apart from each other, it's it's going to be lost when they get back to the rink. 
Yep, exactly, exactly. Although it's and that's the other thing that's been so hard this COVID nineteen is is now the kids can actually go back and see each other because this is going to be tough for for a lot of kids, um, especially because they're the limitations, the 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 touch, just the conversations with the kids their own age. Um, I mean, they're doing it via would be a video games and online conferencing, but it's just not the same. Yeah, and I don't even know uh, you know what's going on because honestly, I I still think that they're they're we're in pause right now. Um, so the teams might be getting back together practices and skills clinics, but this could be, we don't know what the year holds, right? Uh, no, no I, I would disagree. I, yeah, I, I would disagree. I think you're going to see a lot more opening up only because there's been a lot more recommend. There's been a lot more, uh, medical recommendations that it's not, it's not mutating like they were expecting. It's not, I mean, so it, it sounds like this is going to, to turn the other way. Um, and also I, I think a lot more people are just fed up. They're just, they're willing to risk it to do more things. Because they they miss that interaction, so and I think you're we'll starting to see, see that it's up. we'll have to see with official leagues. Like I'm I'm that's where I'm getting with it. Like I feel like you know people are going to do the practices, but I I question when the games are going to start. And well, that's here's what I would tell you. What is, are they saying? What are they saying to you? Like what is the the EHF is already, line? We already have our schedule for next year, so I can tell you the only thing that's changed in our schedule for next year is that they're actually moving it back a week later. And that um, we're doing a round robin to make up for that week. We're doing a round robin to start the season. Um, I can tell you the AYHL is doing something similar. They just re- released their their schedule because this is a lot of money to made to be made. So they they can't miss their their seasons as well. But also um, they have a full AYHL has a full season. Now the only thing I would tell you is that the Canada initially said no. To, uh, to cross border communication. That's, as of today, I just looked at Canada. They're still closed until end of July right now. Well, they're end of the, they're they're closed until the end of July. But for summer tournaments and so forth, they're leaving up to the provinces. So we actually still have, uh, and it was just confirmed today that we still have our Montreal tournament um, because Montreal is allowing that cross border communication or that cross border travel. So I did, literally just went up to Canada and and, and they said no. Um, no non-essential travel until end of July for the U.S. Yep. and Canada. So I don't know. I mean, maybe that's changed, but it's it's uh, it's all based on province now. Because unfortunately, you have just like anything else, you have provinces that want more and so forth and so on. So you may want to double check in regards to that day. But I know I know officially that they they were originally at June sixth was the date they were going to start opening up the borders again. So yeah. if that's that may have changed since I've seen, but it was literally um, as of like seven hours ago today. So. Gotcha. I, it's, I don't know because I was I was looking for, I was looking for stuff that, as we discussed earlier I was looking for stuff to do and I was like hey wouldn't it be great to go to Niagara Falls yeah um, and, well Niagara uh, Falls yeah. is not going to be open in places like that the 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 touristy places are still going to be closed that I can tell you completely so but um, it's interesting to see from a sports perspective because originally GTHL uh, the Greater Toronto Hockey League wasn't going to allow uh, GTHL teams to travel to the United States. And likewise, United States to travel to their tournaments. But I will say that most recently from the Hockey Commission in Canada, they've said now they're opening it up and they're leaving it up to the provinces individually. So, and as soon as that happened, we got a confirmation that supposedly the Montreal tournament's going on. So now I can't tell you if that's not going to change in a week or so, but um, I do think the restrictions are starting to open up more and so more so. Yep. And hopefully they open up. Um, and go from there. But yeah, I have not seen any announcements yet for figure skating competitions. 
Um, so we'll see what goes on. I've, you know, hopefully, hopefully we have something this year and, uh, cause I'm sure the kids are excited to, uh, get out there. Yep. Definitely. Definitely. So yeah, it'll be interesting. So, but I, I, from a hockey perspective, it sounds like everything's going to be as normal as they possibly can. And that's, it, 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 which is, which is good. Like I know my son attended, um, a, um, a skill session this week on Tuesday. So it's at route, route 146. So and he was stoked. And so today we have a great show with Leah Spencer from Axles for Alzheimer's, the founder and director. Um, so it's uh, exciting. She's did a great job coordinating event. Unfortunately, the event uh, couldn't be held this year, um, but maybe it's going to be. Uh, well, well, we'll talk to her and find out what's happening with um, Axles for Alzheimer's. So here we go. All right, Chris, we're here with uh, Leah Spencer from uh, the organization Axles for Alzheimer's. Leah, great to have you. Yeah, thank you. Wonderful to have you, Leah. Happy to be here. So welcome to the podcast. So why don't you tell us about the mission? Yeah, so Axles for Alzheimer's is a 501c3 organization that raises money for Alzheimer's. Um, so 100% of our net proceeds go to the Cure Alzheimer's Fund, um, and they're based out of Boston, and they've raised an incredible amount of money um, to fund Alzheimer's research. So uh, we ran our first show in June of 2018, and we were lucky enough to be able to have Alyssa Sisney and Sean Rabbit come out and guest star. Um, and then we also had a great assortment of skaters from the Boston area. And then in April of this year, we were supposed to have our second show, but um, as you know, things got a little crazy with COVID-19 and we wound up having to postpone that. Um, but we had Max Aaron and Plain Edmonds on board to come out and guest star, um, and, uh, along with a bunch of other really high-level New England skaters. So looking forward to being able to reschedule that once it's safe to do so. Awesome. Now, now one quick question. What, what made you get involved in this? Yeah, so my maternal grandmother um, had uh, several strokes that left her with dementia. And then my paternal grandmother was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. Um, and so I really didn't set out to create anything like this. It kind of just pops into my head one day. Um, and I thought that, you know, there, there really should be something to um, to raise money and awareness for Alzheimer's. It's not something that I'd seen. I, I didn't know of any skating shows for it. So, um, you know, I, I was like, you yeah, know, someone should do that. And then I realized, why not me? <laughs> um, and I think I had it in my mind that, you know, you had to be an accomplished skater with world titles or, um, you know, older and more established in the skating world. And I realized that those were kind of, um, things that I had invented for myself, you know, the, no one had those rules. Um, and there was really no reason I shouldn't do that. Um, so it was definitely a huge challenge, um, for me to do that as, um, someone who had no experience running a show. It was, um, I had really fairly little contacts in the skating world. So, um, it was a huge experience for me to start building connections and figure things out. And, um, yeah, that, that first show that we did was a huge learning experience for me, but, um, it really motivated me to do it again and raise even more money. 
I think it takes a lot of initiative. Yeah, but anyone, you know, it's it goes to show that anyone can kind of do anything. And I think it's taking that first step that yeah. really is the hardest part. For sure. Yeah. And I mean, the the first show that we did, there was only about two months in between deciding to do the show and actually having the show. Um, and we have really a, quite a skeleton crew pulling the show together. It was mostly me and um, a few other people who helped out. And uh, so it was, it almost turned into a, a second full-time job and definitely a, a huge uh, learning experience and really needing to have a, a larger team on board for future shows. Um, but again, it was such a great experience. Um, and the thing with uh, nonprofit shows or um, fundraising shows is that you really see how much people care because there's no monetary incentive for anyone to get involved um, it's really just out of the goodness of their heart and their want for a better future. So um, it was just such a heartwarming experience for me. And um, it was just so great to see everyone come together and get involved. That's awesome. Now, how much did you guys raise in your first show? So our first year, we raised 3250 I believe. Um, and our goal for this year was to double that. Um, so <laughs> still the goal since the show has not happened yet, but we're really driven to get to that point. So it looks like you're increasing the size from the previous show. It looked, from what I could tell, the previous show was in Natick. Mm -hmm. um, and that was probably at a smaller rank. And then yeah. this year, it's over at... Uh, uh, Boston University, Boston University over at the um, at the old Walter Brown Arena. Yeah. Um, so that's a, a huge increase in size. Um, yeah, for sure. So do you have to have more staff on board? Like, tell us about uh, um, your volunteers and, and what you're doing. Yeah. So I think the the bigger biggest motivations for moving it to Boston was just to have a more central location. Um, and Boston University just has a lot of great resources. Um, so they have a really involved figure skating club um, and they have uh, an on-campus organization that researches uh, Alzheimer's. So there are just a lot of great resources right there for us to collaborate with. Um, and take advantage of. So um, that was a, a big part of choosing Boston University. Um, and of course, also it has a, uh, quite a big uh, seating capacity. So um, a large opportunity to get as big an audience as we could. Do you have opportunities at branching this out for just from the Boston area to go down to like Providence or other areas? Have you thought yeah. about that? <laughs> I mean, it, it sounds a little overwhelming just thinking about that, but um, I don't want to limit the show. And, you know, whatever happens in the future, that would be amazing if we could branch out like that. Um, but at this point, I think we're really just focusing our energy on a Boston show, and uh, we'll see how it goes. How do you I, identify the participants? Uh, was that was that difficult? Did you send a feeler out to a couple folks that you're, that you're close with, and then it just branches out? But this year, it seems like you had a... Um, huge cast. You had uh, yeah. you know, a couple, it looks like you had an Olympian or two, a uh, number of national champions. Yeah. So the first show, um, I mean, I didn't even anticipate going to the level of um, flying out guest stars. I really just imagined it as kind of a local skating club show. And I got one of uh, the women in Providence who I've skated with, Wendy Sheridan, on board. And she asked if I had planned on bringing out any guest stars. And I, I was like, 
well, I mean, maybe, sure. And um, it kind of just grew out of that. But that year, for sure, was definitely more local skaters. And this year, we've really um, gotten some truly amazing skaters on board. Um, so we have Max Aaron, Polina Edmonds, uh, Amy Buchanan, Maxine Numov, uh, Heidi Munger, Amelia Murdoch. So um, just some really amazing New England skaters. Um, and it's just so exciting to see these high-level skaters showing interest and um, just being so generous with their time. And so have you thought about maybe hosting a virtual event? Um, you know, I think part of the charm of figure skating shows is just uh, the environment and the energy that a crowd gives off. Um, and so that first year, actually, one of the things that um, – we really wanted to improve upon was the audience turnout. And I think that's something that you feel at smaller shows. It's just a different energy. Um, and when you're able to have that big group um, energy and the feel to it um, and the sounds of everyone, uh, it's just a totally different experience. Uh, so I think a, a digital or a virtual show um, could work, but I think really waiting until we can give people that full experience and a sense of community um, would really be what we'd want. I'm glad to hear that. Um, now, what what um, what what goes into putting into the show? Can you give me some insights as to how much work you're putting in? Yeah, <laughs> quite a lot. Um, so the first step uh, is just getting a rank and a date, um, which it seems like a simple task, but, you know, everything um, turns out to be a little more time-consuming than you think. Um, and then once we had that, just reaching out to skaters, um, reaching out to guest stars to try to organize travel with them, um, and then getting sponsors on board, uh, creating a schedule for the show so that everything runs on time, getting volunteers. Uh, so it's quite a lot of work, um, but something that I'm truly happy to do. Um, and I'm a graphic designer for my full-time job. Um, so I've been able to use my own skills to help make graphics for the show and the website. Um, and so that's a, a source of enjoyment for me too, is to be able to use that side of my life to impact skating. I assume uh, that you're rescheduling uh, the event. Uh, so do you have to start from the beginning right now? Hopefully not. Um, you know, we've, the, the plan hopefully is to be able to do this sometime in the fall, but really we'll just have to wait and see. Um, but, you know, hopefully we can have the same skaters on board for the most part, as long as they're still available. Um, you know, we still have volunteers who are really enthusiastic about helping. So I think most of the work is really already done. It's the big part after that is just getting word out um, and making sure people are excited about the show and they can spread the word. And truly, the more people who get involved and come to the show, the more money we raise. So we're really excited about um, being able to get more the word out about um, Axel's for Alzheimer's. With public ice, what can we do? To, what can our listeners do to, to really get involved? Yeah. So, I mean, the main thing is that if you can come to the show, once we have uh, that set up again, please come. Um, it's truly an amazing cast and um, you're just so excited to have all these skaters come together. If you can't come to the show, we have a donate button on our website, which is Axels for Alls, A-X-E-L-S. F-O-R-A-L-Z.com. Um, and you can always donate there. And 100% of those donations go right to the Cure Alzheimer's Fund. Um, and you can also just spread the word, tell your friends about it, um, follow us on social media. So uh, yeah, we're, we're really thrilled to see more and more people um, becoming aware of the show. 
Now, I also noticed that you had um, the uh, sponsorship opportunities. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about uh, some of the sponsorship opportunities uh, that you have available for different organizations. Sure. So we have a couple different tiers of sponsorship, um, and that really helps us cover the operational costs of running a show, which, as I'm sure you can both imagine, it's not cheap to rent ice, uh, rent spotlights, provide travel uh, for our guest stars. Um, and we really want to be able to say that 100% of ticket sales go to the Cure Alzheimer's Fund. So our sponsorship allows us to cover all those back-end costs. Um, so, uh, you know, whatever level of sponsorship uh, companies are looking for, we're happy to work with. So this really sounds like a full-time job on top of your other full-time job. <laughs> yeah, it feels like that sometimes. <laughs> well, it's something you're passionate about, so it's, it's yeah. nice to hear you kind of get involved in regards to this. Now, let me ask you this. What, what can the hockey community get do to get involved in regards to this other than just show up to the, the show? Yeah. I mean, it's awesome to see hockey and figure skating coming together. I know, um, you know, often there isn't much crossover, but um, yeah, still just coming out to the show and um, spreading the word. um, Yeah, it's I think there's um, total opportunity for figure skaters to appreciate hockey more and hockey to appreciate figure skating more. And hopefully the show could do that. So, Chris, how about this? So, Chris and I just interviewed um, the team behind Life in Synchro. Oh, that's and, great. And the, um, they were saying back in, the, uh, back in the day with the Hawkettes, who were the first uh, synchronized skating team, they actually went out there during the intermission of the hockey games. Mm-hmm. How about we do a little hockey game during the <laughs> of, of the uh, of the event? Yeah, actually, I did that exact same thing in college. I was on a team called the Ice Cats at the University of Vermont, and we skated into at the um, in between the periods at the hockey games. Um, but yeah, that would be uh, really novel to have hockey in between uh, the figure skating. Yeah, let's let's see what we can come up with, Dave. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, no, I think I think we absolutely should try to turn turn the switch a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they, yeah. The, the hockey gets a small spotlight in the figure skating that would for sure be a switch <laughs> definitely well especially with you having two brothers so it might be yeah. an opportunity to kind of poke them one more time <laughs> <laughs> so did you grow up uh, skating yeah so actually i started skating because my mom signed my brothers up for basic skills lessons when i was in kindergarten and they didn't have anything to do and after a month or so of this, I started getting kind of concerned that they were going to get better than me at something. So I asked my mom to sign me up too. And 18 years later, here we are. I'm better than my brothers, though they're much better than me at every other sport. Um, and I'm still just totally in love with figure skating. Now, one question I have for you is, are you, do you have any intention of going into coaching? Um, you know, I, I think I've kind of moved away from the coaching route uh, just a little bit. I've become um, pretty focused on graphic design and um, and that uh, sort of thing. But, um, you know, I, I've done so many different facets of figure skating previously. I competed um, singles. I did synchro for a little while. I was on the Ice Cats, as I talked about. Um, and now doing the show is kind of feels like my next outlet um you know I didn't really make it very far competitively so 
being able to really make a mark on the sport in another way and, you know, doing good through it uh, is really kind of what I've fallen into. And I know my daughter has skated on um, the Ice Chips uh, event. Oh, that's great. Club, and there's, you can just see the amount, and that's, you know, that's a very large production number. Mm, yeah. <laughs> the amount of volunteer num- hours that go into producing that. So, you know, I can't imagine, I can't imagine how, you know, how much work is involved and, you know, everything from, as you said, getting the spotlights to having volunteers man those, man the spotlight stations yeah. to selling programs, I'm sure, or getting mm-hmm. advertising it all, it all adds in. Yeah, it it does. Everything really does add up. And um, I think the first year I did this, I I kind of knew that it was a, a big time commitment, um, but I, I don't think I really understood what that meant. Um, <laughs> and so I, I think this year, you know, we, we have a lot more time, especially now to plan the show. Um, and I'm, I'm just a lot more acclimated to running a show now. And I have a lot of great people on board to help. So it's, it's definitely been a learning experience but um yeah we're going towards a a bigger and better uh show it's it's love to hear your passion in regards to this this you you know you're you're just getting the show together and everything along those lines like what's the hardest thing to do when you're actually performing this show and you're getting everything to do what do you what do you find Mm -hmm. artists yeah I think definitely just getting the word out enough, um, especially because we have a pretty small budget. So, you know, we do a little bit of advertising on Facebook um, and Instagram, but really our our main source of spreading the word is through people. And so um, making sure that we have flyers up and um, are handing information out to people and getting people more involved uh, is really the biggest challenge um, and finding media sponsors, things like that. Um, So that's, Definitely, especially towards, uh, you know, the end phase of planning the show. That's really where most of my energy goes. I take it the majority of the funds come from ticket sales? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so most come from ticket sales, um, some from donations. And um, yeah, so as I said, because we have sponsors, we're able to donate 100% of those ticket sales directly to Alzheimer's research. Do you have uh, opportunities for, um, and maybe not for this year, but in future years, uh, for skating teams to be involved, different synchronized skating teams. I know we have a lot of listeners from the synchronized world and also from maybe, do you, are you doing production numbers or is it mostly just different routines that the skaters have that they're um, bringing in? Yeah, so both, uh, for sure. Uh, and this year we had the Terrierettes, which is the Boston University collegiate team, and they were uh, slated to perform. So, uh, yeah, it's really great to just get, you know, the, the full gamut of figure skating, getting singles, dance, pairs, synchro, everything, because, you know, figure skating isn't what it is without any of those. It's kind of the culmination of all of that that make skating what it is. So it's really great to be able to really represent everything about figure skating and axles for Alzheimer's. Did you skate at a BU? No. Yeah. So I, I went to college at the university of Vermont. So I skated there. And then previously when I was living uh, in Massachusetts as a kid, I skated at Phillips Academy. Um, and now that I live in Providence, I've skated around here a little bit at Brown university. Um, but I, I haven't skated at Boston University too much. So my daughter actually skates down in Warwick. So oh, really? she tries <laughs> me down at the rink a lot. It's very likely we've skated on the same ice at some point. 
There you go. I was gonna say Dave and I have actually played in men's league at a Brown as well. So oh, great. Not, not good men's league, but <laughs> no, if if you can take the worst men's league and then go down a few steps, we <laughs> might Chris and I there. There you go. There you go. It was, it was pretty nostalgic though to be there. Yeah, I, I've been driving past their rink recently and it's just so eerie to see everything empty and no one's there. It's it's very odd. Yeah, no, it definitely is. COVID nineteen has, has definitely affected people now. Now, I mean, other than than postponing your show, how has it affected you in regards to this this organization? Yeah, so I mean, it it has put everything on hold, um, which you know it was sad to not be able to go ahead with the show as we planned. But it's given the opportunity to really continue developing uh, everything behind the show, getting more sponsors on board, and planning everything out. Um, people are still donating money, which is really amazing. And once it's safe to do so, we'll be ready to hit the ground running. Now, how did you find the the main organization, the Cure Alzheimer's? Yeah, so I I had looked up different uh, Alzheimer's research uh, organizations, um, and I decided to go with this one because they have an incredibly high. Uh, efficiency rate at getting the money that's donated um, actually to research. And they're based in the Boston area. So it was great to be able to um, have one of their uh, organization leaders come to our first show and um, give a a short talk to the audience about what they do. Um, So just having them close by and knowing that uh, they're really being efficient with their funds uh, is why I went with them. So that's one of the things, Chris, you and I probably have talked about this many times, and you look for uh, organizations to donate to and charities, that they all have a different level of uh, um, overhead, I would say. Um, and, you know, so some of them, you know, Completely. very little of your donation actually goes to the organization or to the people that it helps, and then others, it's very high. So it looks like, you know, with this fund, 100% goes directly to the research or from what I can, from what mm-hmm. I can see. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's pretty close to 100%. That's, that's awesome to hear. I mean, so many organizations you, you donate money to, and then 98% of it goes to administrative costs. Right. So it's wonderful to hear that you're so passionate about this organization, and then also just that, that 100% goes to, to, to curing it. So it's wonderful to hear. Yeah, and, and the people there have been so supportive of the show and um, reaching out and seeing how they can help. So it's great to have that kind of relationship with them. That's great. Yeah, I remember, you know, being in Washington, D.C., and, and if you walk down the street, um, on some of the fancy streets, you see these giant buildings. And then you look at them, and they're, they're at the actual headquarters of certain charities. Mm-hmm. And you're like, these are $50 million <laughs> yeah. buildings, but then they're asking for money. For yeah, you it's donate. a little perplexing. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, I'm sure a lot of these organizations just have a website. You know, basically, they don't need the, the big building. They have the website. They meet for their board meetings and identify the best ways to um, utilize the funds that they collect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Now, if, if our listeners are, are looking to donate, where, where would they go to donate? Yeah, so if they want to donate to Axles for Alzheimer's, they can go to our website, which, again, is axlesforalls.com. Or if you want, you can also donate uh, on the Cure Alzheimer's Fund website, and they're uh, at curealls.org, I believe. Um, so either one still goes to the same place in the end, uh, and your donation is hugely appreciated. So closer, closer towards the event, um, you know, for the rescheduled event, we'll definitely have to be involved. 
Yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah, I would definitely love to, especially with your your organization and the passion you have for it. So, um, it, it, Public Eyes can do can, is here to kind of do whatever you you need to 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 kind of continue that going forward. So, especially because it's it's just nice to hear this. Yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you. We always like to learn a little bit more about our guests. So, stepping away from the conversation, um, so you mind if we shoot off a couple questions? Sure, go for it. All right. Uh, is there any song that you're listening to right now? <laughs> hmm. Or any um, type of music. Yeah. Gosh, I let's see. Um I'm trying to think. You know when when people ask you what, what you like listening to, you just forget everything that you listen to. You do, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, I, I mean I've been listening to let's see, the Lumineers recently. Um what else? Uh Elliot Moss. Kind of like just chill indie pop rock kind of things yep. to to help make me believe that the world isn't on fire. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> so, so, like my wife, she's listening to yacht rock. So you're you're all about the yacht rock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now everyone is listening to the yacht rock. Uh, it, it is. is. It's it's the new the new uh, norm. <laughs> um, excellent. So, all right, great. So, um, I guess. Um, you know, thank you for joining us. I hope you both are able to come out and enjoy it. Oh, definitely. We will definitely be there. Um, and, and again, we, we definitely look forward to kind of promoting this and kind of assisting in regards to it. So it's, it's always a great thing when you, you can hear so much goes back to the organization. So yeah. um, we, we always love to get back to those organizations. Oh, well, thank you so much. That, yeah, that really means a lot. That was a great uh, interview with Leah. So great work that she's doing for Axles for Alzheimer's. Uh, really amazing that someone can uh, um, can really single-handedly put together such an event with all these amazing uh, participants and skaters. Yeah, exactly. And it was it was just a well organized well organized uh, process. So it's it's surprising, but it was awesome. It's awesome to hear. We definitely want to support her. Absolutely. So we'll we'll definitely take a look at supporting the event and. Um, you know, hopefully they can reschedule for what year are we in? Twenty twenty one right now, or twenty? I don't even know anymore. It's, no, it's still twenty twenty, unfortunately. <laughs> I um I had a um uh, <laughs> my days are just getting going all into each other. I had a meeting at um um at uh, the local swim and tennis club um just to see how everything is going. And so I drove over there, and I'm like, huh, where is everybody? <laughs> Turns out the meeting's tomorrow. Oh, nice. <laughs> so it's, it's, you know, it's, yeah, I need I need something to, to help me out, because every day I'm, I'm in the same place. Saturday I'm in the same place. Sunday I'm in the same place. Monday I'm in the same place. Um, so, well, that, maybe yeah. that'll change now with restaurants opening up, Dave. Maybe you can get outside and, and start to, to feel some normalcy. That is true. I mean, we're still doing, uh, we're still doing takeout. Uh, once take a out, week, takeout's uh, not the same thing, though. No, it, it's not. Um, you know, we you still have to do the know, dishes. <laughs> that is true. Thursday nights are takeout nights, so every Thursday we do takeout. So um, last week we did an interesting takeout, um, and it's actually kind of fun to do it this way. We went to Colonel Blackington Inn, uh, where Trina got an excellent lobster roll. And uh, then I went to Blue Moon Thai restaurant for Anna and I to, to get some Thai food. So it's like the one benefit of having takeout is if you're not in the mood for the same thing, it's like a buffet. You can get, get whatever you want and still eat together. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's well, that, that's it. So, but it, it's still not the same as going out to restaurants. Like it, it'll be so nice when, uh, like I just got notification that the Franklin country club is actually opening up for exterior dining. So, Dang. um, Great. We, we've already set a reservation, uh, and I can't wait to go sit on the patio and eat dinner. Uh, just for some normalcy. Definitely. And I mean, they're probably doing 50% uh, spacing or something like that. Yeah, they're still maintaining six feet. Uh, but there's there's a massive patio outside. So it's it's wonderful. They have, At least they've got the duplication. My biggest concern is, is that uh, it's I don't know how these businesses are going to keep these they are going to stay open and keep maintained uh, if they're not allowed to, to continue to open up. Well, I think one thing they can do. I mean, let's take a look at let's stay on restaurants. Uh, so one of the interesting things in America uh, – now, have you been to, um, like, France or anything, Chris? Yeah. So one thing that I always was amazed about France and other European countries is that the waiters, that's a professional career for the waiters. And so they're paid, a, you know, a, a professional salary for being a waiter, but there's no tipping. And so you just, you know, that's part of the, the whole experience, but they're all professional waiters. I just wonder now if that's where we're going to start going with it in America, because if there's going to be less dining and or something like that, maybe make it more of that's part of the um, uh, the profession. Uh, well, because I can't I, imagine the wait staff during the COVID have been getting any, you know, any no, so many, so many have been unemployed. Yeah, oh yeah. Actually, I would, I would say that that you know, it's interesting to say that because I know um, friends of ours that that are down in Florida are are over tipping because they're not getting as much. So, well, I'm t- so that's the weird thing. I'm tipping on takeout like I would tip on going into. I'm giving twenty percent, and all the, all I'm getting is a bag. You know, yep. so it's like it's, and I think a lot of people are doing it too. But uh, I think there's a lot of people that are tipping nothing. Yeah, that could be. That could so be. So my twenty percent is really two and a half percent when you factor in all the people that aren't tipping. Yeah, well, and and so one of the things, kind of going back to your point in regards to France, uh, it's sim- very similar in Canada. And what that has to do with Dave is a lot of its annual contracts when you're talking to your employees. So so when you hire a waiter, you're they're locked in for almost a year because um, they're annual contracts. Um, so that's it's a little different process. I don't think the United States will ever go to that model. Because we're mostly at will. But yeah, I will say though the service you get in France is phenomenal. Yeah, not That's... so well in Canada. <laughs> yeah, I, I I haven't really spent a lot of time in Canada. I just know that um, it's a much different dining experience um, when I've been to Europe. Um, yeah, you know, it's more take your time, right? Not get in and then get out. Sure, it's... sure. And so, well, so it's I think ex- you're a lot slower in that in regards to it anyways. Yeah, and so. so but that's a that's a topic for a different day, right? Definitely. For our food podcast. No, uh, we don't really have it. <laughs> <laughs> Publicfood.com. <laughs> well, I was going to say, the only thing we'll be doing is is food in the rinks. That should be a topic that we're well, going to go that's, after. That is going to be something, because I do know the new Norwood, the new Norwood rink for Skating Club of Boston uh, is going to, when they open up, is going to have a um, facility. And you have the New England Sports Center. They have facilities. So um, we'll be talking about them. Now, of course, we'll talk about the rinks that just have a microwave and yeah, <laughs> and a coffee well, machine. So, listen, I will just tell you this right now: hands down, the best pizza used to be at the Canton, the the Canton Sports Center, um, but he moved to the Rockland Sport, the Rockland Ice Arena, um, and uh, he makes the best pizza. He's a little Italian guy. I know, I know that guy. Yep, yeah, he is phenomenal. He makes, still makes the best pizza. 
But it's still the same owner of both rinks, correct? Yes, yes. The same facilities. It's just he moved. And then I believe um, his brother, or I'm sorry, his brother or son or his daughter took over the Canton rink. And it it's still decent, but it's not like his. I don't know what he does to those pizzas, but it's like magic. So I think actually, so then I guess the question is, two polls. These are our next two polls. One. Um, are you leaving ice sports now? The problem with that poll is our lead, our readers are probably not the ones that are going to answer that. Yeah. I was going to say, that's probably not a good poll for public ice. That might be something on our social campaign just to, just to try to spread out. But, uh, but what about, what about, um, best food in an ice rink? Yeah. Let's, let's, we're going to put that out there. You know, Dave, and, actually one thing I was just going to say is, is we should come up with a public ice award voted vote for your we should come up with a poll where they vote for their their best uh the, the rank that has the best food and then we give out a public ice award for it and we that know that's on our website chris you have come up with a with a genius and we can put on their uh on their link we can have a little trophy best food and, and it's like you know when you have like the best of las vegas poll right like the best yes lounge act the best elvis impersonator yeah so we can have you know the best locker rooms uh, like the nicest smell yep oh Um, i already know what that is that is the best beers in connecticut (laughs) best best pro shop um so uh there's a lot we can do and we will do that so but i'm thinking for the for uh we might have you might see a poll here related to food so uh, vote for your favorite, uh, for the best uh, food at an ice rink. It's time now for Chirp of the Week. This one came from one of my son's friends, um, but it's, you're going to make a great coach someday. The worst players always do. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought that was a pretty good dig. <laughs> All right. Well, Chris, is, are we done? Yes, I believe we're done, Dave. So, um, it's been great, guys. We'll see you next time. This is Chris. This is Dave. See you on the ice. <laughs> <laughs>